Welcome to the Deeper Dive podcast, where we dive deep into God's Word and discover together how to practically live as disciples of Jesus through the application of gospel truth. This is Dave Dawson, and welcome to the Deeper Dive. I am with the usual three pastors, and I I would hasten to add, guys, I just really appreciate you guys. We've been friends for quite a while now, worked together. Uh, Churches have a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of things that go on to make a church work. So my first question for you three pastors from Bethel Church, what is one thing that you're focusing on at the moment at your particular campus? But besides Christmas, we're saying <laughs> or right. Christmas is included, right? Because yeah, you, you can include Christmas. I think raised focusing on Christmas. You know, there's a couple of things that have really um, been a focus at the Richland campus the last couple of weeks, um, and they all have to do with serving people. Um, so one of those is um, service services to our community that have come through food baskets, um, the Christmas for everyone gifts, and all of you know, beyond the gifts, just the the touch point with families that are struggling um, that really need to be granted an opportunity to gift um, to their families. So that's been a a huge emphasis on the Richland campus. The other thing is just hurting folks. Mm, Um, You know, it's not just uh, individuals that have lost um, folks during the holidays. It's the holidays that really, I think, accelerate or heighten their absence and so this last week, we hosted a blue Christmas service for people that are grieving and hurting. Actually had somebody that attended two weeks ago at one of our Richland services mm-hmm. and um, was looking for a place because she was really hurting. Mm-hmm. And she found it in our blue Christmas service and through some of the other things that we're offering for hurting folks. Yeah. So there's a lot to celebrate. And there's also a lot, I think, of hurt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Prosser campus is really similar to that, Jason. Uh, we just recently, we did food boxes and um, uh, invited those uh, those families back that we delivered food boxes to. We invited those families back to uh, shop at a toy shop um, mm-hmm. and with with hosts from our congregation. And and um, uh, so I would say, to your question, what are we what are we focusing on? You know, I, I someone on um, one of our volunteers used this phrase that I really loved it. It says, I love serving shoulder to shoulder is what someone said. I'm like, man, I like that. Let's, uh, let's make that an emphasis of serving shoulder to shoulder so that we're serving alongside the people we, um, do life with this, this community of believers, but then we're reaching this, reaching the Valley. Um, and I tell you, this is the first time that in Prosser that we had done anything like this toy shop Christmas for everyone type of deal. And it was a a huge success, huge home run. And we kind of tiptoed into it. Uh, and I think, um, if we do it again next year, it's going to be even, even more powerful. Did you guys do it right on your, your own campus? We did it in our own campus, totally transformed our auditorium into a toy shop. We had Santa's elves going around people with, you know, big, jingle shoes and stuff and they got cookies they got cocoa when they came cool. in and um they got prayed for and it was just, i mean there's just so many stories but but i would say what the focus is yeah we're serving shoulder to shoulder uh to reach our community is what i've been focusing on the prosser campus mm-hmm. similar in pasco i feel like uh starting with thanksgiving was the thanksgiving baskets uh, jen ashcraft she heads our our local ministry and Pasco, and she has just been running full steam ahead with her team and mobilizing our congregation <clears throat> with Christmas boxes, Christmas for everyone, just a lot of cool stuff. We support some local schools in, in Pasco as well. And so, yeah, the people have just been 
loving on in the community. And, and we're also just trying to figure out how to continue to be a welcoming, loving church. So we actually have been talking about doing some overhaul of our just entire connection ministry. Mm-hmm. We were pulling Terry Pearson in, like, would you teach us your mm-hmm. your wizard skills and just want to be a place where no matter who you are and you come in, you can get connected and feel welcome. So yeah. we'll kind of focus on that, that right now. Those are great stories. You guys really appreciate it. Appreciate what you guys are doing. So, you know, the question is, what are you focusing on at the moment? Because there's always a million things mm-hmm. to That's focus true. on, right, at a, at a church or, or even like in a business. Well, you guys have been preaching on Hebrews 12, and one of the foci is to, fo- is, uh, is to fix your eyes on Jesus, right? Focus on Christ, who is the initiator and perfecter of faith. So here's our first kind of question getting into this uh, deeper dive on the scripture you guys have been in. So what, is it, what does it mean to fix your eyes on Jesus? I mean, I just love the fact you use Latin there, Dave. <laughs> the foci, that's, I love that. <laughs> we, we actually talked about this uh, to Richland campus, I think, two weeks ago. Um, and it spills over into really all three weeks of the series that we've been going through. But that, that word, fix your eyes on Jesus, it's um, the, the original translation, probably the better translation is, look away to Jesus. So really, the emphasis is on really twofold. It is looking away from something or someone, whatever that is, and fixing your gaze continually um, on on Christ. So there's lots of things that um, I think in that first half, Dave, to answer your question, that we need to look away from in order to look away to Jesus. A couple of the things that he gives us in verse 1 are, all these distractions, which he says to lay aside, and this sin trap that is laid for every single one of us, we're not just supposed to put those things aside, but he says, actually, just quit quit looking at them as well. Mm-hmm. Set them down and walk away and don't look back. I wonder if part of this too is, you know, in verse three, it says, consider him, that's Christ, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you'll not grow weary and lose heart. So I think, I wonder if that's a parallel a parallel concept, right? To fix your eyes on Christ by considering Him, mm-hmm. rather than looking at your opposition, mm-hmm. right? That seem to be really strong and coming against us, or even just you know, just kind of an unhealthy focus on yourself, just your mm-hmm. own struggles. Mm-hmm. But lift, literally lifting up your eyes away from your opposition, away from yourself, and focusing on Christ. Mm-hmm. I think one of the practices that has been in the church is. Um, is a communion. Obviously, we we take it regularly. We we have a practice at Bethel where we take it at least monthly, if not more. And what is communion? I mean, communion is this this intentional practice of putting our eyes on Jesus. He it was one of the few things that he told his his mm-hmm. disciples to do, and to do it often and and, and uh, to do it regularly. So, um, and I think that is intentional where we are purposefully putting our eyes on the person and work of Jesus Christ. Um, one of the reasons why communion helps us um, slow down and put our eyes on Jesus. I love that. I hadn't even thought of that. That's that's beautiful. Well, what are um, are there any other practical ways that, you, that that enable us to fix our eyes on Jesus? I pointed this out in Pasco. I'm curious if you guys did too. That I think it's interesting that the author puts to fix our eyes on Jesus. Hmm. Could have easily just said fix your eyes individually on Jesus, but there's this communal aspect of together collectively let's fix our eyes. I know in my life I need I need my wife, I need my friends, I need my church body to both remind me 
to turn my eyes away from myself and from things to Jesus. And I also need to see it demonstrated in other people's lives um, to encourage me. So I think a practical way is when you're doing life in community, um, especially if it's a community that is running the race together toward Jesus, that just by virtue of doing that is going to keep you at least heading in that direction and encouraging you as soon as you isolate yourself. We experienced a lot of this in the last couple of years is it's so easy to fix your eyes on everything but Jesus mm-hmm. <laughs> and especially your own concerns and your own, yeah. you know, you get in your head, you start to just kind of turn into yourself. Mm-hmm. Community just pulls us, it should, it pulls us out of ourselves towards towards Jesus. So community, church, small group, whatever you do for Christian community is essential, I think, to it. Okay. Well, and I, I love that too, Adam, just to jump in on that, because one of the things, Dave, when you asked that question that I thought of is um, a practical way to keep our eyes on Jesus is to remember Jesus, to reflect on who He is, hmm. His attributes, His characteristics, um, all those different things. And it, what I love about Christian community is I get to see like the different facets and dimensions of Christ hmm. demonstrated in, in other people's lives. Yeah. And so if you think about, you know, kind of that, that famous Christmas text out of Isaiah where it says that, you know, he's going to be called a wonderful counselor and mighty God and everlasting father and prince of peace, uh, chances are our brothers and sisters, they're going to, like one of those four things that I just mentioned from Isaiah, they're going to go, man, I, he is such a wonderful counselor to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I'm thinking about him as an everlasting father. That's what comes into my mind first, but it's great to be reminded in the way that Christ is showing up in individuals' lives, it helps us to have, I think, a, a, a better picture. If that makes, if we're fixing our eyes on Him, it, we just get clarity in who He is, and it's almost like it adds this three-dimensional aspect mm-hmm. to like actually seeing Him for all that He is. You know, Jason, in our daily reading, we promote a lot of Bible reading here, and one of the things I've tried to do, and with varying degrees of success, is after I read something, you know, before I just go on to the next thing. I asked myself, okay, what is just one thing I want to remember from this? And that made me think of it when you talked about, you know, those different qualities of, yeah. of, of Christ. Hey, then if you, you've just read that, why not pick one and focus on that? Actually, just have it in the back of your mind, you know, mm-hmm. for the rest of the day. Yeah. Well, one of the words that runs throughout the Bible, and it's actually sort of embedded in our passage here, is to remember, to remember, right? Because in Hebrews 11, we're remembering these mm-hmm. heroes of the faith, these men and women that exhibited tremendous faith in their lives. So looking back is is kind of an important thing. Um, by the way, do you guys do you guys know where January came from? <laughs> this is actually related. The word January. If I got this right, I think it comes from a, a Janus. A Janus is like this. I don't know if it was a god or something, but it was like that two faced. One face, like on a coin, a face is looking forward and then a face looking back. Mm-hmm. I think that's where January came from, right? You're looking back on the year and then you're getting ready to face the the new year. Okay, so and he's dropping Latin. I know. And now okay. he's, dude, I'm just like Greek gods, and I'm like, I'm on a roll today. I tell you what, <laughs> I can't wait for what's next, Dave. Entonces, si nosotros vamos, I was messing with you guys now. So. Over the top. So if Hebrews 11 is look back at the heroes of the faith, like what, okay, what is the benefit of looking back then, looking back in time? Well, without history, we repeat the same mistakes, right? Like that's kind of a, I think a generally held belief even outside of the faith, but you look back to learn and to be encouraged by the people, individuals, groups that did something well. And you can also look back to see how groups of people or individuals 
did things that didn't work out well. And I think in the faith, Hebrews 11, you see broken people following the Lord and trusting him and walking in faith. And so I think for us, it's not just looking at ourselves or looking at what's God going to do in my life, but looking back to what he's done in our life, but also what he's done in the for, in life of, lives of our forebears to say, this is who God is. And isn't it true that, I mean, the best predictor of where we're going is to look behind and mm-hmm. see where we've been. You know, if you can just, if you can look over your shoulder, right, and get a couple of reference points mm-hmm. and kind of see, you can, you can know fairly quickly what's, what's next, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least the direction that you need to head mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. I think of looking back, you know, sometimes we get stuck, like you're in a, you're in a bad situation. You're like, oh my gosh, how do I go forward? Mm-hmm. I think if we can take the time to stop, take our eyes kind of off the problem just for a second, kind of go back to the first things we talked about. And then ask ourselves, you know, is there a a biblical person or character, whatever you want to call it, that was in a similar situation as is this? What 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 is a uh, situation? What is like a, almost a one to one situation? I can look back at what they did, and that can help inform me of what I'm I'm supposed to do. Mm. Oh, yeah, I was gonna say that's that's very true. What's difficult is like we've all walked through difficult things, different trials. Mm-hmm. Um, difficult circumstances. Um, it's wonderful to lean into people that are, that have walked through those things and they've done it well, or maybe they haven't done it well, but they're on the other side. And it it's always easier, right, when those things are in the rearview mirror. <laughs> um, when they are right smack in front of you, it's difficult. And so, while I think there's there's tremendous wisdom in talking to folks that have walked through those same things. Um, we also have to be careful, right? We're talking about working with hurting people right now. And um, to say, yeah, I've been here or I've been there and this is X, Y, and Z that worked for me. Sometimes sometimes that's not even the best, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's actually just walking with people. Remembering is wonderful because um, you know that that's in the rearview mirror. Walking through it is, it can be difficult. Yeah, I think part of what you're saying is in counseling, sometimes the best thing you do is just walk with people and listen. As opposed to saying, yeah, that happened to me, and here's what I did, and, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. On the other hand, I'll admit that I have been hugely encouraged in times mm-hmm. in my life by talking with some old people that have gone through some similar things. And just in talking with them, you just realize, oh, my gosh, I'm not a unicorn. Mm-hmm. You know, this this is something that has happened to other people, and and they they did make it through it. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I think if, if we are able to come alongside hurting people and— for once, be able to say, I need to do more listening than talking <laughs> for some of us, listening to their story, sitting with them, standing in solidarity with them. You actually might be in a position to help them remember who God's been in their life. Like if we don't ever stop to listen and pay attention to their story and their pain, then we're going to be sharing you know, our advice. But if you can hear their pain and maybe see traces of the way that God has been with them. You can you can help them see that, and you're not sitting there saying, look what I did. It's like, mm-hmm. look what God's done in your life. Mm-hmm. But I think for so much of the time, we just want to counsel and tell and mm-hmm. teach and instruct and not not even let people come to those things mm-hmm. on their own. I would think, too, you know, if you are if you are an older elderly, elderly person and somebody is, like you said, uh, you know, is legitimately interested in, you know, my life, mm-hmm. man, that is like healing to me, yeah. you know, to be— to be heard, to be listened to, yeah. that, that somebody actually values yeah. my experiences. You know, I think where I learned it the most is that I've been in positions where I'm in a hospital with someone who is the age of my grandparents, and they're they've been you know they've been in the faith longer than I've been alive, 
and they're either near death or they're in a really scary situation health-wise. And I'm sitting there thinking like, I could pull out a Bible verse and try to tell them something, but like they've, they've lived the faith longer than they've been alive. And like in those situations, I've realized like, I think the best thing to do is to sit, listen, pray with them yeah. and maybe, maybe share an encouraging verse about Jesus's presence. But no, like it's those situations you're like, who am I? Like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't have anything to share that you don't already know. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, let's put this back in our context. We're talking about, we've been talking for the last few weeks about running our race, doing it well. And at this point, we're talking about fixing our eyes on Christ, remembering heroes of the faith. But then embedded in this passage, too, it says that Jesus, um, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and, and scorned its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So kind of going back to the Janus thing, so we start to look forward. Jesus was looking forward. What, what do you think was the joy that was set before Christ? Well, before we hit record, you know, we were having a, a conversation about this because it's, again, it's probably a multifaceted um, answer. There's a bunch of different dimensions to it. So the joy set before him, um, probably, I don't know, I, I would say, and you guys can push back on this, but probably the highest is Jesus's joy is the anticipation that um, God is going to be delighted and what's done, right? Mm-hmm. They're looking back of what Christ has accomplished. But I think the joy that was set before Jesus is God's delight that his will was done and that his work was accomplished through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. So uh, there's that aspect to the glory of God is the joy set before him. The other side that we're talking about too is a little bit earlier in Hebrews, it talks about how Jesus came, Jesus the God-man came and suffered and died to bring many children to glory. Mm -hmm. And so there's this other element of um, the joy that was set before him. It's, it's us, it's our redemption. Mm -hmm. And so it's God's glory and it's, it's really our joy um, because of what Jesus has secured for us. What do you guys think? Almost a sense of like, it's our joy in experiencing and being part of his glory. Like Jesus earns that and comes back to that glory that he had with the father and then he brings us into that glory as well. And that's like yeah. the joy unspeakable that we get mm-hmm. to participate in. Remember back in John where Jesus said, I, I've told you these things so that my my joy yeah. may be in you and that your joy may be full. So yeah, he knew that he was through his mm-hmm. mission, Jason, he was going to accomplish forgiveness and reconciliation with God and giving us a future. And we're going to see his glory. We're going to see glory when we're with him. Mm-hmm. And and then he, he doesn't want us to be ignorant of that. He wants us to enter into that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think, let's see if I can say this right. Um, I, I think that there are times when we have too small of a picture of how how much God loves us and wants his people mm-hmm. to be with him. So there's this joy that that Jesus receives knowing that I'm doing the work that's allowing God's family, God's children to be to be together. Um, that without the work of the cross, I mean, we think, I mean, he 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 looked to the cross with joy. Um, how could you do that? This instrument of torture. Well, it was joy because of what the cross meant that we would be able, to, like his people, his his family would be able to enter into this relationship with with God. That there'd be no barrier. So I, I think for Jesus, I mean, he he, he loves us so much that even looking at the 
the torture of the cross, the the horrific nature of the cross is a joy for him because he knows on the other side of that, we get to be with him. Um, that's all because of his love for us. Do you think you could sum up the gospel? I don't know if this is true, but sum up the gospel to say like Jesus, Jesus came so that we could enter into the joy of his salvation or that we might experience joy in him? Yeah, I don't think that's wrong. I think that's one way... I mean, like, like I like what what uh, or, uh, what Jason said. There's, there's so many sides to this mm-hmm. jewel. Um, I think it was Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones. He called the cross a, a multifaceted jewel that mm-hmm. you could look at. And there's so many sides to mm-hmm. this jewel, and that's certainly one of them. That the result of the cross is that we we get to enter into this joy. Mm-hmm. First Peter one, as you're talking at him, here's what it says. Just reminded me. It says. Uh, First Peter says, though you have not seen Christ, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Mm-hmm. I think you're right on track. So to, to be saved and unjoyful it really doesn't go, go together. Is that, that's what I'm hearing? And if we are, maybe it's because we are fixing our eyes on something that robs us of joy. Yeah. The fact is, we're. <laughs> it's pretty clear though too that uh, we will suffer. Right? We will suffer in this life. That is part of the. That is part of the race. But joy and suffering are not antithetical, right? You, you can have joy and suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean that per- Peter's writing to a church in trial and suffering, yeah. and he's saying in that even Jesus is refining your faith so that you can, even though you don't see him. You can rejoice with unspeakable yeah. joy in what yeah. he's doing and who he is to you, which is crazy. I mean, joy, joy is at the other end of suffering, but joy is also in suffering when you know what God's doing and you're not doing it alone. Yeah. And what a, an amazing Brooks. We're going to give you the we're going to give you the last word here. Uh oh, it's dangerous. Right? This is dangerous. So <laughs> you know, we've been for the last couple of weeks we've been looking at this passage once again out of uh, Hebrews twelve about this exhortation to run well, to fix our eyes on Christ, to consider Christ so that we don't grow weary and lose heart. So we are, you know, going back to what Jason was saying earlier, we, we are surrounded by people who are broken and they're in, they're in really tough circumstances. So Brooks, do you know anybody out at your campus, out in the Valley, that you feel would be a, man, they're a model to the rest of us of having joy through, having joy through through their own struggle through their own race. Yeah, well, I I would before I answer that question, I, I'll encourage our listeners to that's a good exercise. That's something that maybe we haven't regularly thought of. Who in your life would be a model of um, running running the race well and having joy in their race and just just living out their faith in a in a very real way. Um, Maybe there's some people in your own lives that that you could point to and say, "Wow, this is a model," because um, we we kind of sat and brainstormed, and, and there was a few names that that came up. But uh, one name that jumped off the page to me, and and you may know him, may not, is is a, his name is Mark Little, and he was like a school teacher in Prosser School District for what like forty years or something, um, and. You know, I joke with them as I'm like, man, you're the mayor of Prosser, <laughs> but I think he is. <laughs> he, that he and he does not, and he 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 doesn't like that. And if he knew that we were talking about him right now, he would say, "No, stop, stop." But so many times, I have um, 
heard of stories of Mark going out of his way to help someone else um, and being faithful in the um, in the task that is in front of him. Um, like I said, being a, being a, a teacher, um, but uh, uh, also so many times I'm. I'm at church with him and someone's coming into church and he'll say, oh yeah, there's one of my old fifth graders. And in this legacy that he has of, of consistently loving the people that God has put in front of him. Um, yeah. Mark Little is, he's a, he, he's ran his race well. He's still have, running too. I mean, that's not like yeah. he's, <laughs> he's. Well, I, he was a teacher and a coach, still is a coach. Yeah, he still is a coach. I just wonder how many lives Mark has touched through his, not only through his teaching, but through his coaching. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, I would just say amen to that. Mark is a gift to the body of Christ. He he is such a model for us, I think, of um, his love for the Lord, his love for his family, his love for the family of Christ, his church, and just the community that God's placed him in. Yeah. And like you said, Brooks, um, people walk in. Um, with a story of him on a pretty regular basis, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yep. To the Prosser campus, and um, it is—it's—it's it's such a neat thing for people to see whether they could even articulate it or not. When he was their teacher, their coach, the faith that he had to see them actually showing up in a place where some of them are going to come to faith for the very first time, mm-hmm. and they saw it demonstrated, and they couldn't put to words in this man. It, it's pretty incredible. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll be taking the holidays off, so join us back here January 15th to kick the year off right. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so because we'd love to continue to dive into God's Word with you. We also love to connect further. If you go to Bethel.ch, you'll see all sorts of ways to connect, serve, and worship with our church family. Finally, please consider sharing this podcast to your friends by word of mouth or on social media. Have a blessed week and happy holidays.